Well, good morning, church. <laughs> um, uh, thank you so much uh, uh, for coming to worship with us this morning. Um, I feel like I need to reintroduce myself. Is that weird? Uh, my name is Jed Werlein. I'm the campus minister here at our Taze Valley location. Uh, it's been a couple weeks, and uh, I just want to tell you guys thank you so much for all your prayers, your your, your meals, your just I mean just all the all the support you guys have offered. Uh, we couldn't have done it without you. The last six weeks have honestly probably been the toughest six weeks of my life. It's uh, it's been a lot, and uh, you guys have been there every step of the way. And uh, I just want to say it. I can't, I can't tell you thank you enough. Um, so, so thank you. It's glad to, I'm just glad to be here, glad to share with you. And you guys may notice things a little different. Um, uh, the lights are going to be lowered here real shortly uh, to help me. Uh, they're, they're pretty bright, and so uh, uh, that's just to help me out. And then you, I got my Jumbotron up here. Uh, I promise I'm not watching the NFL pregame because um, I'm a Patriots fan, and I don't want to watch it more than what I have to. Uh, but uh, uh, So hopefully these things are temporary. Um, I, I did lose about 45% vision uh, in my left eye permanently, um, but uh, I have a permanent God, so I know he can restore anything. Um, so, but, uh, so this side, I can't see you do whatever you want. Um, this side, eagle eyes. So, uh, best behave. All right. I got my eye on you. No pun intended whatsoever. All right. So, um, so when I, I left, uh, last, the last time I was here, uh, you know, we just started our, our, our series on the Sermon on the Mount. And like I told you, uh, this was one of my favorite passages of scripture. And I was so excited to share. And this is like my second time talking. Uh, so we're going to start all over. I'm just, some of you is like, no, please don't. No, just, but, uh, so we're going to continue into our series on the Sermon on the Mount. And like I, like I said the last time uh, that I've been up here, the Sermon on the Mount, is the single greatest sermon that has ever been spoken. Amen. Like, it's not even close. Jesus gets in front of all these people. Uh, the Bible says magnitudes of people, and he starts to share some of the most toughest topics that anybody had ever spoke on before. And I truly believe that Jesus was touching on those tough topics, those, those, tough, those topics that nobody talks about, because he knew of everything that was yet to come. And that's what I still believe today in 2023, as God still knows what is yet to come. And church, we need to trust that. Amen? Amen. Every day, things happen that we can't explain. We just, maybe it doesn't make sense to us, but God knows what's yet to come. And so last week, you guys talked about the basics of faith. And the basics of faith that Jesus gave in his sermon was giving, which given he was talking about finances, he was talking about money, and he was talking about, uh, it's, it's the word alm in the Bible. So he was talking about that, and then the, the other basics of faith are our prayer. We should have a prayer closet, a prayer time every day. You know, we all know our place that we can go to to, to say a prayer, to spend alone time with, with God. And um, if you don't have one, I, I highly recommend uh, getting just a place that you and the Lord go to. Because I think of it like this. You do not put a dining room, or, or you don't put a, a dinner table in the family room. 
You put it in the dining room because that's where you want to come and eat and fellowship. Well, same with your prayer life. Make, make a, a place that it's just for prayer. That's where you go. And the last one is fasting. You know, in 21st century America, uh, fasting, a lot of people, uh, they, they do other fasts that, uh, um, you know, not just food, which food is what he was talking about when he was preaching this. But other things you can fast from is basically anything that you don't think you can live without. And if you are asking yourself, can I live without my phone? I will tell you from experience, yes, you can. I am a survivor, okay? Uh, so I'm not going to say it and cheat every now and then, but uh, you can live without your phone, I, trust me. So that was what Jesus was talking about last week. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about the uncomfortable topics that Jesus was talking about on the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount made people feel uncomfortable. That's why it was so powerful, amen? amen? I mean, he made people feel downright just uneasy. They got the heebie-jeebies, and they just, they wasn't dealing with it very well. There's some religious leaders that got up scared, mad, but also you had people that got up that were motivated, they were passionate, and, and they had a vision. And that was the purpose of this sermon on the Mount, was Jesus wanted to make people feel uncomfortable, because when you're uncomfortable, you have to move. And so Jesus talked about topics that in that day and age, nobody talked about. Still to this day, I believe most of these topics are topics that, that people stay away from, that churches stay away from. I am a blessed person standing here and saying that Gateway does not shy away from any sensitive topics. We address them. And we don't address them via opinion. We address them via scripture. And that's the way it's supposed to be. Jesus talked about money. Makes people uncomfortable. Jesus talked about marriage and divorce and relationships. Really makes people uncomfortable. Jesus talked about greed, jealousy. He even talked about hypocrisy. He also talked about food and, and clothing and anything that you go through your everyday life that you need. Jesus talked about these uncomfortable issues and topics because he knows that we need to hear him. And then he finished the entire sermon Basically asking, how's your heart? Because all these topics that Jesus is, are, he's talking about, it's about the condition of your heart. How's your heart? So today we're going to talk about a very uncomfortable topic. And I know you guys are excited. And we're talking about this and it's uncomfortable because a lot of people believe that they have this right. Now I'm not going to stand up here and tell you, you don't. But maybe yours needs just a little, little tweaking. Maybe just a little adjustment, or judgment, no, adjustment. <laughs> hey, it's my first week, give me a break. <laughs> but it may need a little adjustment, and that's our priorities. And when we look at priorities, you know, we really think that ours are always right. We think we always have our priorities in order. Well, today we're going to be talking about different types of priorities and the way that Jesus tells the listeners at the Sermon on the Mount, and how to address them, how to fix them, and what not to do. So if you guys have your Bibles, we're going to get back into Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to start in verses 19. We'll go all the way through 34. Uh, but uh, we're going to stop about halfway through at 24. And we'll continue on at the end of the, the message. All right. Verse 19 through 24, it says this. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy 
and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moss and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. 21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If in the light with you is dark, is darkness, how great is that darkness? 24, it says this. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So in the first section of this, this passage, Jesus is talking about competing priorities. Priorities that we think that we have correct, but yet when we read Scripture, it tells us that, that they're competing against each other. Have you guys ever thought of that before? That you look at your priorities and you, you think you have them together, and then, and then something comes up and God lays something on your heart, and you're like, well, that doesn't make sense of what I'm already doing. Well, if God puts a priority in your life, and you're already doing something that, that combats that, you are wrong. Amen? You need to adjust. Because when God puts a priority in your life, trust me, it is greater than any priority that you can make up for yourself. And so that's what Jesus was telling the the people that were in in attendance is, "I, I know you guys have your things all in order, but I have different priorities for you. I have different things that I want you to do. I have different ways that I want you to see things. And so Jesus gets in, he gets into it right off the bat. He talks about money. He talks about different things in our lives that a lot of people just don't want to talk about. And he talks about our devotion. He talks about serving two masters. I mean, Jesus went all in. He went at it right off the bat. And so competing priorities, the three that he's talking about the most is number one is our competing priorities with our treasures. We have a pretty good idea of what our treasures are. We have a pretty good idea of what we value. We value our house or our car, the clothes we wear. Our our treasures usually are something that are tangible that you can touch, that you can see, that you can drive, that you can smell. But yet, Jesus is telling the people in attendance that those are not your top priorities. He's telling them your priorities is not the treasure that you can see, that you can touch, that you can smell. Your priority should be the treasure that is awaiting you in heaven. And that's your eternity. And, and Jesus is just letting them have it, you know, saying, I know you think you've got everything that you've ever wanted or desired. Everything you've worked hard for, there's a treasure in your eyes. But he says that treasure will never compete the treasure of heaven. Amen. He, he, he says it right off the bat that the treasure that is waiting for you is greater than any treasure you can make here on earth. Just like Jesus, I just made you guys uncomfortable. Right? Because we like the treasures that we have because a lot of times the treasures that we have, they make us feel comfortable and nice and cozy and comfy. And But church, we need to understand Like Jesus says, the greatest treasure is not in front of you. It's not behind you. You're not sitting in it. You're you're not flying in it. You're working your way towards it. And it's in your future. 
And that is the treasure that is brought up and is stored in heaven like scripture tells us. When we invest what God has given to us to impact the lives of others, we need to trust the results. Amen? A lot of times we, we, we try to invest into the kingdom of heaven, but we don't see it right away. So we feel like our investment is lost. We need to trust that the investment that we put into the treasure that's not even here yet is valuable because it is. So number one, the competing priority is that of our treasure. Second, we have the competing priorities of our sight. Now, I know Jesus was talking about spirituality and he's talking about how we view stuff. Church, I'm going to be 100% transparent with you. The past five, four or five weeks, when I had to keep my eyes closed for almost the entire day, 20 hours a day, there's moments in my life that the darkness scared me. It did. You know, there are some times that I close my eyes and I was thinking to myself, what if this was the last time I saw light? What if when I wake up from my 19th nap of the day that uh, I couldn't see anymore? Darkness terrified me. And that was a physical darkness. The darkness that Jesus is talking about, it's not a physical darkness. It's a spiritual darkness. And so what Jesus is saying, your sight, if you focus on the darkness and you ignore the light, your priorities are competing against each other. Everything you do should point yourself and everybody around you to the light. Amen? Everything you do. Every, every person you talk to, every, every statement that you make, every relationship that you build, every, every day you go into work, should point people to the light. Their vision should never be towards the darkness. Church, you know how people get attracted to the darkness? Because somebody directs them there. Nobody ever says, I want to lose my sight. It sounds like so much fun. Nobody ever says, I want to live in the darkness. No, people get directed to the darkness. Church, as a body of believers, as Jesus is telling everybody in attendance, our sight needs to be focused on the light and nothing else. So number two is our competing priorities is are we devoting our lives to the darkness? Are we, are we sending people to the darkness? Or are we bringing them to the light? Are we living in the light ourselves? Church, if you have a healthy spiritual heart, you are living in the light. But if your heart is full of vile thoughts, vile comments, you're living in the darkness. And once you give in to that darkness of sin, I'm telling you this, church, the darkness will be the only thing that you see. So number two is our competing priorities is about our sight. Number three, and this is one Jesus really set on, is our allegiance. What side are you on? And Jesus is really laying it on thick to everybody that's in attendance because he knows that coming up, they're going to have to make a decision. They're going to have to pick a side. And as you can tell by the story of his crucifixion, a lot of people chose the side that is controlled by darkness. So Jesus is saying in your life, you got to pick. He says you cannot have two masters. You cannot serve two masters. You cannot be fully devoted to two masters. 
And that's what he's telling them. And he says, you cannot be fully committed to anything and still be fully committed to God. I'm 100% committed to my relationship. My relationship to God is 101%. It's above my relationship with my wife. It's above my relationship with my kids. It is above any other relationship or thing in my life. My kids know they are not in my top two. I tell them that all the time. Hey, if you better knock it off, I'll bump you down to four, okay? <laughs> bump you down to five. They're like, well, what's six? I'm like, my Bronco. Chill out. Sometimes, you, sometimes you're close to six, but no, my, I, my family knows that they will never be my number one, and I will never be their number one, because it's who you are picking, who is your allegiance, who is your master. A great preacher, a Bible scholar, Warren Worsby says this, investing your heart in things of this world will result in spiritual loss. You will be trapped in spiritual poverty. Church in Deuteronomy 4, 23, 24, it says this. It says, be careful not to forget the covenant of the Lord, your God, that he made with you. Do not make for yourselves an idol in the form of anything the Lord God has forbidden. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire. It is, he is a jealous God. God wants you. He wants you. He is so jealous. He wants, he wants you, but he also wants you to focus 100% on him. So church, I'm going to make you uncomfortable again. What in your life are you trying to serve while trying to fully serve God? What in your life is taking away from being fully committed to God and what he has in store for you? Church, it's a question that a lot of us, it makes us nervous to even answer because if we know that something over here is taken away from God over here, we know we need to make adjustments. And that's where we get uncomfortable again. And Jesus knew that when he was talking to the followers. He knew some of them were trying to live a life fully committed while trying to live a life fully committed to him. It just will not work. So the three competing priorities, the third one is allegiance. What side do you pick? What side are you on? Now, Jesus starts this next passage of scripture with the word, therefore, and in the Bible, anytime you see the word, therefore, it means an application. That means he's saying, hey, put this in practice. I am telling you this to get you started, to get you a head start. He's telling us how to use it. What he's about to say, he's saying, go use this. Go do this. So if you have competing priorities in your life, Jesus tells us how to handle it. Because a lot of times it makes us very nervous when our priorities not lined up with the priorities that God has in store. So we usually do one thing. Let me read the scripture. You guys tell me what you think it is. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat, what you will drink, or about your body. What you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? 27 says, Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? 
And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. 30, it says this. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow, is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You have little faith. 31 says, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. 33 says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, means do it, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So in this passage of scripture, six times Jesus tells the people, do not worry. And 12 times he says the word you. He says, you worry. You worry about things that really don't make a difference. And church, this goes along with our, third, our last point, is sometimes we try to serve the worry, and then we don't, are not focusing on God. We try to serve two masters. One of the masters is worry. A lot of you have been there. A lot of you have had uncertainty in your life, and you just worry about it constantly. The Greek, Greek, the Greek, the Greek word for worry is merimnao. Church, if you have ever heard this word before, then you know what it means. It means to be divided and to be distracted. Satan loves nothing more than to distract you by making you worry. Church, Jesus tells us that this can't happen. Because you know what? Jesus knew coming up, there was going to be a time that Satan is going to use worry to divide his people and distract his people. And a lot of you are thinking, well, that, that was back and, and during the time of the crucifixion. It sure was. But you cannot tell me in 23 that Satan is not still trying to divide and distract God's people. Because he still is. He's trying to make you worry about things that don't really matter today. So church, that's another question I want to ask you. Are you divided or are you distracted by what God's trying to do in your life? So what does he say? What does Jesus say about the worry? Well, number one is he is not saying that your material needs are not important. Jesus is not saying that. We need food. We need clothing. We need shelter. We need transportation. We need a form of income. Jesus is not saying that your material needs are not important because they are. But what he is saying is those material needs should never be Above your spiritual needs. He's telling us those things that you work hard for every day. Which in scripture it tells us many times that we need to work hard. But what he is saying is those material things in your life should not be above the spiritual things in your life. Church, we work hard every day. I love being in a community with so many hardworking people. I'm going to ask you a question that's going to make you real uncomfortable. Are you working that hard at your relationship with Jesus Christ? No. Neither am I. I'm trying every day. I'm trying every day to be better. There's a time in my life a couple, couple years ago, I was, I was in the scripture preparing for a sermon, and God really put something on my heart. He's like, you know, you only read the Bible when you're ministering to somebody or you're writing a sermon. Do you never get in the Word just for yourself? 
You never get in the Word just so I can talk to you through it. Am I in my Bible every day? Oh, absolutely. A lot of the day, yep, but it's always for somebody else. And I remember that was a conversation in my prayer, my prayer location that he's like, you never just read the Bible for me. You're more devoted to, to your work, to your job, than you are to me. Church, that's what we need to do is he is not saying that, that your material things in your life are not important. He is just saying, don't let them get out of control. If they're taking time and, and effort away from your, your relationship with Jesus Christ, with the relationship you're trying to build with your kids so they can view Jesus Christ, that's when it's an issue. Number two is Jesus is not saying that you are not important. Jesus is not saying that you don't matter. 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7, it says this, humble, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Do not let the devil or anyone else tell you that you don't matter to God. This is a lie that Satan has been using for years. You know that there's people sitting, watching Jesus, listening to Jesus, talk about all these things that we should not do. And, and you know Satan probably got into some of their heads. And be like, well, he's only telling you, don't do this because he doesn't need you or he doesn't want you. That is a lie. God wants you. God wants to be in your life with everything you do. Now, we're going to talk about a story in the Bible. It's, it's away from the Sermon on the Mount. But it's found in Luke 10, and it's the story of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus when Jesus came to their house. If you don't know the story, so Jesus comes to visit, and Mary was just chilling. She's talking to Jesus, just, you know, just, just spending time with him. And then you got Martha. Martha's running around, dusting, cleaning, cooking. She's just, she's a tornado, Right? Just of, of just doing all these things that she felt like needed to be done. To her, it was a priority. She felt like she had to do all these things. You know what I'm talking about. We're getting close, close to Christmas time. You guys all act like this when family's coming over. Like they're really going to look under your bed to see how much dust is under there. Right? Or they're going to be like, well, their mirror's dirty. I can't eat here. You know? And, and we get like that. We just... We get our priorities and we just spin around and around. I do this, so I'm not, I'm not casting judgment on anybody. I do this worse than most people. And, and so, so that's what Martha was doing. And Martha had a moment where Jesus basically put her in her place. Now, men, I do not recommend this. Jesus told Martha to relax. I do not recommend you to tell your wife to relax when she's cleaning or cooking. But Jesus had to take Martha and slow her down. And he had to say, you know what? Stop. Church, this is the most important part of the sermon today. He's like, Martha, stop. You're in the presence of Jesus Christ. But you're too distracted to see it. Church, what in your life is distracting you from seeing? That you are currently in the presence of Jesus Christ. Do you know that Jesus Christ is in this room right now? Do you know that you are in the presence of the Lord? And it's not because you're in church. Jesus is here. And that's what Martha was struggling with is she had her priorities all mixed up. She had her priorities all screwed up. Because she, she thought that Jesus was going to worry 
about the way the house looked. She thought he was going to worry about what the food tasted like. Her priorities were all messed up, and it took Jesus to stop her and slow her down for her to really, really, really get into the presence of the Lord. Church, I am not saying the things in your life are not a priority, but things can wait when it comes to the presence of God. Amen? Amen, amen. Things can wait. I shared a story about my son. I'm just like you guys, trust me. I burn up Taze Valley Road and 34 getting my kids to school, practice, doctors, me and my wife both. We just, uh, you could probably see our tire tracks. We're up and down it all day, all the time. My kids are like me. They don't like to be late. And there was one moment where I was having a very deep conversation with with one of my neighbors about his spiritual well-being. He was very, he was struggling. He was in a dark place. And I remember my son came out. He's like, Dad, we're going to be late. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I said, it can wait. He's like, you don't understand. They're going to make me run. That's a punishment. I said, you know what? That's not any greater. There's no greater punishment than what's going to happen to this young man if he does not know Jesus Christ. I said, that can wait. And church, I know we really push our kids to do activities. I get you. I'm with you. And I know we push our kids to, 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 to be social. I get it. I am with you. But that is not the priority of our children. That is not our priority of being a parent. The priority of being a parent is making sure when your son and your daughter on judgment day knows who Jesus Christ is. That is a priority. Church, I'm with you. I get you. I get you. I, I am a person that I, I do. I run my kids all over because they want to, because they ask. But church, sometimes we just need to tell our kids no. Sometimes we need to tell our kids, hey, it can wait. But that's a word that we don't like to use very much is wait. So just like Martha, we need to let God just absolutely get a hold of us. And make us realize that we are in the presence of the Lord and we need to realize it. The last one, what Jesus isn't saying, Jesus is not saying that all worry is sinful. He's not saying that. Now, most of worry is sinful. It doesn't start as sin, but a lot of times that worry can actually become an idol. We listen to the worry more than we listen to the word. And that's when it becomes an issue. Now, in Scripture, a lot of times, instead of worry, they use the word concerned. I believe that concerned and worry is a different animal. Because I believe that as concerned people, I think that's when we're okay. But when that concern turns into worry, that's where we cross over and we're making an awful mistake. Church, when we we look at what Jesus is telling them, Jesus knew that there was a time coming up that they were going to worry about what is going on. They knew that he he knew that they're going to be in a time and a moment where they're just not going to have any answers and they're going to be unsettledness and they're going to be unpeace. But Jesus says, tells them and gives them reason to not worry. Jesus gives you reason not to worry every day, but do you listen to it? So when we talk about the word concerned, church, I can tell you straight away, I am concerned about some things, but I'm not worried. 
I'm concerned for the future that my kids are walking into. But I'm not worried. God's in every classroom before they get in it. God's in every car before they begin to drive it. God's in every relationship before they enter into it. God's in every marriage before they walk down the aisle. Am I concerned for my kids? Yes. Am I worried? No. I'm also concerned for the health of my mother and other people that I love. Am I worried? No. I know God goes before her in any doctor's appointment. I know God goes before her before she, she gets in her car and, and, and travels anywhere. Am I worried? No. Concerned? Very. I'm also very concerned for the ones that believe that their lives are not of value. Am I worried? No. Because I know God goes before any of the moments in their lives that they get thoughts in their head that they're not worth it. I know that God's in any room before they're getting ready to make an awful mistake. Am I worried? No, but I'm concerned. I'm very concerned for the future of our country. But church, I am not worried. I'm concerned. But I know that God is on the throne, always has and always will be. And I am not worried, but I am concerned about it. So that's what Jesus was saying. He says, it's okay to be concerned. In 1 Corinthians 12, 5, he says this. He says that we as members of the body of Christ should have deep concern for one another. Do you have deep concern for anybody in your life? Or are you just worrying about them? Church, this is a very tough question to ask. And that's why Jesus brought it up. Is he's like, you guys are going to worry to death about things. And he says, all your worry is not even going to add a year to your life. So why do it? But then it says, be concerned for your brothers. Church, let's do a little soul searching right now. Who in your life are you concerned about? Do they know that? Church, it's a different ball game when you can go up to somebody and be like, hey, I'm very concerned for you. Would you like to talk? Would you like to vent? Would you, would, you, would you like me to go with you somewhere? It's a different ball game when you go up, hey, I'm worried about you. And a lot of times people are like, why are you worried about me? So there's a different, there, it's different between worry and concern. So church, that's where I'm going to end, and that's simply this. Jesus got up there in front of the magnitude of people, and he questioned their priorities. Are you brave enough to do the same? Are you brave enough to look at everything that you have structured in your life and go piece by piece and ask yourself, does God come first? Does God come first on your schedule? Does God come first in the way that you raise your kids? Does God come first in the way that you treat your spouse? Does God come first on the way that you go to your place of employment? Does God come first in the way that you talk to people? Church, I know when we talk about priorities, we think we have it all together. But a lot of times we don't. So that's what Jesus was trying to do to the followers is, man, he's just trying to get their priorities straight. Because you and I both know when things start to shake and adjust and move around, 
Priorities are the, one of the first things that we lose sight of. Church, I'm going to leave you with this, and this is very hard to hear. Most of you are parents. If you're not parents, you're grandparents. If you're not parents, I pray that you are one day because it's amazing most of the time. But do you know how kids learn priorities? They look at the priorities of their parents, and that's where they get the base of their priorities. Are you being a good role model on the way that you set up your priorities for your kids? Are you just throwing things together and just praying that they stick? Church, one day there's going to be a lot of shaking and rattling and rolling. Where are your priorities going to be? Priorities going to be about what you look like. Priorities going to be about, about what you smell like. Or is it going to be about what you stand for? Your number one priority should be where you stand on Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. What you believe. God, as we come to this moment, God, as we come into this time of response, Lord, <clears throat> God, my prayer today is that we can get our priorities straight. God, I know a lot of times we want to match our priorities to somebody else or, you know, we, we see that it works for some other family or some other person, some other relationship, and we want to match that and we want to image that. God, the only image that needs to come to our minds when we're setting up our priorities is the image of Jesus Christ. God, I know this one hurts a lot. To me personally, God. God, my prayer is that we can self-evaluate. Look at the order that we have things that we call, that we think are of importance. God, my prayer is everybody here, every single one, Lord, that they leave today knowing that Jesus Christ has to be our number one. God, because when we put you at the sole focus point of our life, God, we know things just start to fall into place. God, we love you in your name. Amen. amen. So church, simply this, what are your priorities? Are they scattered all over? Is God all the way down number six or seven? Church, I'm going to challenge you. This week, get into your prayer time and really start to write down your priorities. But be bluntly honest. If God's down at seven or eight, you got some work to do. We all do. Church, but that's my, that's my challenge to you this week is look at your priorities. Look where they're at. Because I guarantee you, once you get God to number one, the other ones will fall right into place where they belong. Amen? He has to be your starting point and he has to be your ending point. If you don't know who Jesus Christ is or you have no idea what I've been talking about for the last 38 minutes, I would like to introduce you to him. I would like for you to embrace who Jesus is I would love to, to, to just start a fire in your life because you know who Jesus Christ is. If that is you, I'll be standing over here and you can come talk to me. And, but church, we need to look deep. We need to do some self-evaluation this week. Let's stand.